Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. We are getting ever so closely closer, excuse me, to the college football season. We are recording this on Friday night, the, uh, what is today, the 18th. Uh, so tomorrow will be our last Saturday without live college football, something that is getting me very excited. Um, somebody that we just talked to on the podcast that I think we'd like to say thanks to again, somebody that loves college football, Brett Ciancia with Pick 6 Previews. Great, always great to talk to Brett. He did a great job. Yeah, he's always generous with his time, too. That's the thing about Brett, is not only is he really good at what he does, but he's always happy to come out on the cast. Yes, and he does a great job. You, you can throw anything at him, and he just answers it perfectly. It was awesome. The most feedback I've got was that it was awesome for him to compare the top of the Big Ten to the top of the SEC, because that is somebody that spends as much time as anybody to look at how good these top teams are and for him to say, yeah, okay, the top three teams in the SEC and the Big Ten match up pretty well. I don't know. I thought that was a pretty good part to to go through. All right. I told you before we even recorded that I had something really stupid that I wanted to talk about. And, and I, I, who knows? I might cut this whole segment out of the podcast if it's the dumbest thing in the world. But I also thought that you were the best person to, to just – ask this this question to bring this topic up to get your feedback from and, and you know i'm tired kurt this is a public nuisance and i'm tired of pretending it's not and what i'm talking about is new socks and walking around the house in new socks it's deadly man and, and it about took out me and my my 5 year old just in in like a 48 hour span me going down the stairs, just about fell all the way down the stairs, was lucky to like catch myself, bang my elbow. I don't know. You ever you ever run into this before? Because you're wearing new socks, you slipped? New socks. And like, there's almost like, not every sock, but most new sock. It's got like a, it's almost like it's a film on the bottom of the sock. Mm. Hardwood floors. I mean, you're basically ice skating, you know, and then going down carpeted stairs, you know, I've got kids running, and then, and then my five-year-old went went to stop, slid, <laughs> just wiped out like five toys that he had perfectly set up. It ruined his day. Well, oh. I'm not sure how you're slipping on the carpeting, but yes, I, I think there is something to that on tile or hardwood with a new sock that I've noticed. So you have not noticed slipperiness out of a newer, newer sock when you're going down a carpeted stair. No, I guess I haven't noticed that. But it's funny that you bring this up. And (laughs) we don't plan this stuff ahead of time. I had to buy new socks Wednesday night because I was in Indianapolis for work and I'd forgotten socks to work out. So I went and bought socks. And speaking of being annoyed by socks, now they're selling left and right-footed socks. (laughs) Like, as as if it's not hard enough to keep (laughs) socks around. It's so dumb. I don't. I mean, they're, 
they're clearly doing this. So you buy more socks, which we all buy too many socks as it is because right. they miraculously just disappear somehow. But now I, like you lose one. Okay. The whole, now the whole set, you know, the pair's gone and they shape them to your left and right foot. Okay. I will say I was really <laughs> pissed that I had to buy left and right socks. But when I put them on, I said, holy crap, these yeah. feel really good. They, they they do contour to the foot very well. And, you know, you can't take on big sock as much as you try, Kurt. It's, no. just, it's just too powerful of a conglomeration. I mean, that's their lobby efforts are enormous. Everybody is in their back pocket. I, I mean, or I maybe think, stuffed into their sock is probably I, how it goes. I think there's regulation now, which is why you have to do the left and right. I believe that's been well. And, and what I'm and what I'm getting at is they're like, oh, this is great. All this going to you know, all this going to take is them losing one of these socks. They're always going to wind up with two lefts and two yeah. rights. They're going to come back to us for more socks. It's it's a it's a it's a genius marketing ploy. I mean, I'm going to have to come up with a left sock drawer and a right sock drawer now. <laughs> So maybe big dressers involved in this too. It's a deep conspiracy. It's a deep conspiracy. Okay, let's move on to things probably a little less stupid. But be careful out there, folks. <laughs> Falls is the number one killer of people in homes. That's that's a fact. And I, I suspect socks are behind it. That's that's just my take. All right. <laughs> <laughs> big news. Big news. Uh, or for Iowa fans, they are hoping it does not wind up being big news. Cade McNamara, uh, they got the what, what Iowa fans call the kids' day scrimmage. This is when Iowa fans uh, and and media and everybody is let in, and they do a somewhat live scrimmage. It's not a full live scrimmage, of course. A uh, couple good throws uh, out of Cade McNamara uh, showed mobility. Iowa fans were amazed at at this this novelty thing called uh, uh, mobility out of their quarterback. And and during one of those plays, he takes off running, goes down. I mean, crumples down to the turf. Mm. Anybody that saw it live or was reporting on it in Twitter assumed it's like, well, there goes the knee. It was he was grabbing the knee that he had surgically uh, uh, altered or fixed or whatever you want to call it. Um, it took like an hour, hour and a half for word to finally trickle out that it seems to be some sort of muscle thing. It it has been confirmed. It's not something structural with the knee, uh, but. Lots of rumors getting thrown out in Hawkeye land. Uh, they were just on the camp tour tonight. Sounds like he's going to be fine. But then, of course, you hear rumors behind the scene that he's 50-50 for the home opener versus Utah State. Something to keep an eye on. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I hope he's okay. I, I would like to see a fully intact Iowa squad. You know, maybe, okay, maybe doesn't necessarily have to be right out of the gate, but Early in the season, I want to see Cade McNamara back there. Oh, appreciate you saying that. Um, and I'll say this. I don't think it's just Iowa. Um, your top quarterback goes out. Boy, does your depth start to look thin at the quarterback position real quick when you yeah. lose your top guy like that. So T's and P's out to Cade McNamara. Uh, Wisconsin linebacker Miami and Jongmena has a club for a hand. Uh, not exactly sure what's going on with the ham. I'm assuming some some form of breakage of, of the hand. And I, every day, Kurt, I don't know about you, but every time I see a football player playing football with a club as a hand, I think to myself, not a lot of sports or professions that you can keep doing with a club as a hand. That is true. You're not playing tennis with a club as I'm, a hand. I, I, mean, I don't you, think you, you can play as a club with a hand. And play baseball. Nope. No baseball. You can't. Basketball. You, you couldn't. Uh, ba no basketball, no hockey. Boy, you that's could a good point. Yeah, you could probably play soccer, but 
let's be honest. There aren't soccer that's, players. That's not a to sport. Do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So hopefully he's okay. Speaking of healthy, Chris Hoppen Bell is healthy. That is that that's a new thing right there. Seems to be practicing full speed. Wisconsin wide receiver Will Pauling seems to be injured. Not real sure what's going on there. Purdue cornerback Jamari Brown left the team. Uh, and the rumors are, and this is a guy that played quite a bit last year. Rumors are he got passed up on the depth chart and wasn't liking how camp's going. So he took off. See if that winds up being true for the Purdue secondary. One thing that I think, Kurt, you and I can take a little bit of, I don't want to say credit, but we kind of saw it coming in that Nebraska wide receiver Xavier Betts has left the team again. Uh, we we mentioned on the podcast that maybe hitching your your yourself to the Xavier Betts wagon, Xavier Betts, excuse me, wagon wasn't the 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 right thing for Rule to do, and it didn't even take full camp, and he's gone. Yeah, is it Tuesday already? Xavier Betts gone again. Um, I don't see this as a huge loss. He was kind of an underachiever since he got on campus. It could be addition by subtraction. I believe so, too. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of things that just kind of need to be retooled. And the best time to just be done with guys that don't want to completely buy in seems to be, you know, year zero or year one, however you want to call it. So I I, I agree with you right there. But kind of like Iowa's uh, quarterback room, the Nebraska wide receiver room is getting ever so thin. I don't think uh, uh, Casey Washington is is completely healthy. So that is something that is causing Nebraska fans a lot of consternation, and, and we'll see how that goes. You know what I'm waiting for? A coach to call it year negative one. Yeah, just – well, I wonder if – I wonder if a guy in Colorado could call it year negative one. I think it's year negative one and and Prime doesn't even realize it yet. But that's throw that out there to try to to try to uh, um cheer up uh Nebraska fans. Um couple quarterback things w- w- that I think is is uh interesting enough to point out. I mean, we're pretty deep, like we said. I mean it's August 18th here, you know, like typically they start implementing the week one game plan. The week before week one, you know, and typically when you get to that point, you want to have your quarterback battle figured out by them. Yeah. No winner yet in in Michigan State. What what do you think of that? That's is that something wow. that kind of surprises you a little bit? I, I don't. Well, are we sure there's no winner, or is he is he just saying there's no winner? We don't, I, we don't know Kate, that. Caden Hauser, no Kim. I mean, no no announcement yeah. has been made yet. Now you, you could be right. Yeah. There. Could be made behind the scenes, and we don't. I mean, know that. okay, so Illinois technically has not determined a starting quarterback, but we all know that it's going to be Luke Altmeyer. Okay, <clears throat> still nothing there. I know I asked you off the podcast, like because there seems to be even the, the 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 news out of camp that I just read was talking about. You're gonna have to help me out with the name, Luke Altmeyer. The other quarterbacks, excuse me. Oh, uh, um, uh, um. Paddock is the the John Paddock is the okay. one guy, and okay. then Devin Leary is the other one. Okay, it's pretty I, clear one two three with Altmeyer Paddock and then Leary. Okay, and see now I feel like it's been Leary I've heard people no. talking up. Okay, all right. Um, and then and the by the big- way, so like Jeremy Warner for instance from Illini Inquirer, he thinks that Bealman is probably going to announce it on Wednesday next week for whatever okay. you know whatever press conference that he has weekly he thinks it's going to be announced formally there but he yeah. he has not announced a starter even though everyone knows who it is okay um and then one more though that i 
I feel pretty firm about that hasn't been announced because they simply don't know is, of course, you know, Ohio State, Kyle McCord, Devin yeah. Brown still seem to be battling it out. Uh, I asked you, I mean, Ohio State was first podcast, I believe, team preview that we did was they were on the first. Yeah, team preview. that's right. Yeah. And I asked you way back then. I mean, we're talking like, what, two weeks ago when we recorded that. Uh, did you feel like that was two quarterbacks that were AA plus quarterbacks battling it out? Yeah. Or is it two guys that just haven't taken the reins? Your gut feel is that neither one has taken the reins. I, yeah, I, I, I think we got to the point where it's, it, that seems to be the case. It seems to be because they always have the heir apparent. Everyone seems to know, well, it's going to be this guy pretty much. So it's just a strange place to find a fade in. Yes. Yes. And I, I tell you what, by my, you know, 10,000, maybe, maybe 5,000 foot view of Ohio state fans on Twitter, they don't seem to like it right now either. I mean, mm -hmm. we've got Ohio state fans warring with other Ohio state fans because they're, they're, you know, picking apart Kyle McCord. I think Kyle McCord was the presumed, you know, next yeah. starter in. I mean, he certainly sure. had the most uh, playing experience coming into to the camp. Um, by the way, I still think it will be Kyle McCord on day yeah, one. I do too. I do too. But there's there's just some smoke. I, I do think there's some smoke there, even to the point where true freshman Lincoln Keenholz is is getting mentioned and and talking about that he's got a howitzer of an arm and it's something to to, to keep an eye on. I mean, that's that solidifies my opinion even more that that they don't have a clear cut guy that they know is the heir apparent. Yeah. All right, one more special announcement here uh, that that very much like to keep talking about. We've already talked about it on the podcast. I will keep talking about it on Twitter. The Eyes on Big tailgate sponsored by Amador is on. It keeps getting better and better, to be honest with you. It is in Lot 37, which is really close to Huntington Bank Stadium. This game is, of course, on Thursday, August 31st. We're trying to uh, formalize a start time. It's going to be about 3.30 or so, but we want to get that number uh, firmed up before we go. Um, sounds like there's going to be some fun people that are going to be there. Uh, a couple of them I'm going to kind of hold back, but one that I think I can announce that should add to the excitement even more, the $5 Bits of Broken Chair trophy and its representatives will be visiting our tailgate Come by the Amador Eyes on Big Tailgate to check out the Bits of Broken Chair. How cool is that, Kurt? The storied $5 Bits of Broken Chair. Think of all the history behind that trophy. And, you know, obviously you're you're joking a little bit with that. But at the same time, I think you're being serious, too, in the fact that it's a, it's a cool no, it's situation. No, it's very cool. I should not belittle because number one, it's it's a charity organization. But number two, I'm I am excited to have the five dollar bits of broken chair. Absolutely, and all you got to do is go to www.brokenchairtrophy.com forward slash donate, and you too can help out a good cause. Pick a team, or as they have uh, done a great job. You can randomly pick a team, okay? So that way you actually don't have ownership to the team you are donating if you're an Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois fan and whatnot. So anyways, that is another announcement. More and more details will come out. We're still a couple weeks out. Uh, we got 
we got food things we got to figure out a couple things with the technology uh but as we get closer and closer it's going to get better and better and more things that we get to share to you so if you are a certainly a nebraska or minnesota fan that's there or any big 10 fan that's in the in the twin cities area that wants to stop by lot 37 please stop by say hi to kurt and i check out the amador scene and we will be glad to have you okay Last little tidbit here will fold nicely into our our last our two last two team previews. Uh, Twelve out of fourteen are done. We've only got Michigan and Purdue left. So Jim Harbaugh kind of back in the news again. There's nothing really to confirm here, uh, but the saga continues between Jim Harbaugh and the NCAA. It's hard to say exactly what's going on, but essentially. The NCAA is still, you know, on top of Jim Harbaugh, even to the point where they said a comment in the public, this, this quote unquote, this isn't just about cheeseburgers. <laughs> that That's, that's a little ballsy from the NCAA to say something like that. Um, and it seems like the four game suspension for Jim Harbaugh this year doesn't seem like it's going to take place and that it's we're still in negotiation and whatever's going to go down is going to happen after the season next year. Let me ask you this. If you're a Michigan fan, how would that make you feel? Would you, would you rather just have the four game suspension yeah. now and be done with it or, or what? Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd rather just take the four games now and put it behind you because of specifically who they're starting with the first four games. Just get out of the way. You're going to win all four of those games. We talked about this before. Get some experience for your guy, Mike Hart, as the interim head coach. That looks good in his resume. And I understand, I do understand challenging the NCAA because they're such clowns. And this is further proof that they're clowns, that they can't even they can't even bring down a punishment on someone correctly. Right, right. And, but then if you're Michigan too, like, just keep, keep playing the North Carolina card. No, you right. can't do that to us. I, why, why would you? So I, I don't know. I'm, I guess maybe I'm talking myself into it. Maybe they're doing the right thing by just saying F you NCAA. You can't do anything to us. And I will say this, this is probably more of my fault, but like, but we kind of both talked about when we did talk about the hardball stuff before we were going under the assumption that it was mostly, you know, about just a cheeseburger there's more going on than just the cheeseburger, but ultimately the story that we talked about then is still true now, which is Harbaugh's just saying, screw you. you you're a toothless nothing burger, pardon the pun. There's nothing you can do to me. <laughs> North Carolina, Kansas, all of these other places have just told you to pound sand. And Harbaugh's thinking like, wait a second, ain't I Jim Harbaugh? Ain't this Michigan? Why can't I tell them to pound sand? And I, I think that's what's going on here. I just, but... We're we're all kind of left out in the in the dark just to see how this thing winds up. But it is poking the bear. Like look, everybody does things wrong. Every single yes. program violates NCAA bylaws. So when you poke the bear like that, you're just you're you're daring them to find more. So okay, I just Don't. talked myself back. Let's take the four games now. Okay. And then it the, just went full circle. That yeah, was interesting. That's, and that's the interesting part of it. And then the other side of it is if, if Harbs and his lawyer or whomever else, is, you know, that's in his camp, it's involved. If they're trying to, to kick it into next year, doesn't that feel it in all of these seniors in this super loaded upperclassmen team? Doesn't it kind of give you the feel that maybe 
Harbs is kind of in it for one last run, and then maybe he'll ride off into the sunset NFL, whatever. Yeah, or or he just doesn't want anything to to disrupt the season because he sees the potential. Well, I've got to coach every game because I got to make sure everything's perfect. You always got a different. You always got a different angle. Good job, yeah. Kurt. That's good. That's good. Can I give you a one <laughs> Tim Harbaugh quote? They cracked me up. I don't know if it, it, it caught me at the perfect time. I don't know if it'll catch you or listeners at the, at the perfect time, especially if you're a Michigan State or Ohio State fan, I suppose. Uh, but anyways, this 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 was an article in in The Athletic that I read, and it was just kind of a, a, a big blurb on the current state of Michigan football, giving you updates that, that people are hearing from camp and whatnot. And uh, you, you'll 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 be happy to hear are interested to hear, Kurt, that Chris Jenkins, uh, defensive lineman, he got the EUTM helmet sticker, which, of course, is the helmet sticker that stands for enthusiasm unknown to mankind. So he he gave out the <laughs> the EUTM helmet sticker. So here was Jim. Here was Jim Harbaugh's code uh, quote. I'm going to do my best, Jim Harbaugh. Here, I uh, uh I looked at every player. Every coach, even considered myself, by the power vested in me, the poster person for enthusiasm unknown to mankind for the year 2023 is Chris Jenkins. That was. Do you think? Do you, do you think he laughs at himself behind the curtain? Like, yeah. <laughs> you think? I think. I or think... does he not have? I I don't know. Does he have self awareness or not? I yes, can't figure I, it out. I okay. Maybe I'm trying to see something that isn't there. I believe he has self awareness. I believe he is that dry. I believe people that are closest to him know that he's not being serious. I think he knows that people around him don't know if he's serious or not. And that yeah. little scene right there is what makes him laugh so hard. So. All right, with that, oh. should we go ahead and break down our last two teams of yeah, the offseason? Let's, let's go, baby. This is the 2023 Michigan Wolverines special, special shout-out to our guy Jordan Eggleston at JW Eggleston 7, a name that Eyes on Big listeners might want to pay attention to as the season progresses. The last five years, Michigan is 46-14. and 14. That is a... 77% winning percentage, percentage good for second in the Big Ten. Obviously, last year, a well-documented, excellent year. 13-1 and one Big Ten champs, college football berth for the second time in two years. Disappointing ending for sure, but nothing can take away the fact that when you win 13 games in a row in the Big Ten, that is a fantastic year. The coach that we just broke down and had some good laughs at, Jim Harbaugh, Going into his eighth year, defensive coordinator Jesse Minter, offensive coordinator back after a strong performance is Sharon Moore. Big Kurt, what are we thinking about the the current state of the Michigan Wolverines? Well, of course, they're the Big Ten darlings right now. And not that I didn't think they, you know, not that I thought they were anything else. But boy, I tell you, diving down deeper into this Michigan team. Woof. You know what it looks like to me? So first of all, let me start in this. The amount of returning production here, not just the talent. Yeah. The returning production, those those two things combined, this looks like 
what we used to see from Ohio State a couple years back. Like when we started doing the cast up until basically 2021, right. this is what we look at every year and, and see as the Ohio State Buckeyes. The Michigan has flipped the script. They are now the Ohio State Buckeyes. This is a strong team top to bottom. Yeah, and I don't know if Michigan fans would like to hear that. I would I would think they would like to say this is Michigan just simply at its peak, but I know you meant it as a compliment. That's well, how uh, I took it. Yeah, I I guess what I meant is th- th- they've become recent Ohio State. Yes, yes. I have become death, the destroyer of worlds. Um yes. and you got to give you got to give Harbaugh credit. Like are they recruiting at a you know, peak Georgia and Alabama clip. They're not. They're they, not recruiting at Ohio State clip. They're they've not. Got a, but they've got a better roster. I, you know what I think the best recent comparison is? Is Clemson, right? I mean, Clemson. Yeah, that's a great, that's a yeah, great comparison. That, that was one note I wanted to say. And, and everything looks a lot like Clemson, except for, you know, Clemson got a couple titles out of it. And there, there was one missing piece, you know, or has been one missing piece. And I think we're going to break that down really quick. But long story short, the talent is there. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they have great recruiting classes, but you have even more than that. You have got to give a shout out to Jim Harbaugh and the development that happens even with that blue ship talent. Um, because sometimes, you know, teams that either are a developmental or recruiting team, Michigan's a lot of both, and that is why they have got the depth that they have. A stat that Jordan gave me, out of the entire two deep, not one freshman and only, I believe he said, seven sophomores out of the entire two deep. This whole thing is seniors and juniors and probably a couple super seniors and juniors. And it's not like they're having an exodus of of people transferring out. These younger guys are waiting their turn for the most part. I mean – the the big transfer Eric All he he's the he's the one guy where there there is a young uh, right right a youngster that was taking his his snaps which we're going to talk about and people love him too so I hear that's you what I mean yeah okay so returning starters on offense somewhere around seven last year four hundred fifty nine yards per game that's twenty fourth in the country scoring forty four point four points per game sixth in the country Kurt, it wasn't that long ago where we were always waiting for Michigan to have a great offense it's here so let's just start right at the top okay quarterback JJ McCarthy um pretty big off season topic uh, uh you know or player to 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 be discussed something that Jordan and I I don't know if we see completely eye to eye, but we're not not on the you know not completely not on the same page either. Which is JJ McCarthy can be just fine for ten games of the regular season, and Michigan is going to be just fine in those ten games. Okay, but there are two games where JJ McCarthy needs to be very very good, knocking on the door of elite. And then if Michigan is going to win the national championship, then J.J. McCarthy, I believe, truly has to be an elite. And the quarterback that I think is a great NFL comp, as they say, Clemson's Trevor Lawrence back in the yeah. day. I, I, I think he can do physically almost all the things that Trevor Lawrence did. Trevor Lawrence really didn't, If you look, if you go back and look, he wasn't absolutely stellar, amazing all the time, 
But when he had to be elite, he pulled it out of the bag and did it in those big games. Yeah. Is can JJ McCarthy do that this year? I think that is the number one, two, and three question for Michigan. Yeah, big games and big moments is where Trevor Lawrence excelled. We haven't seen that yet from J.J. McCarthy, but here's the thing that I'm excited about is he's got an entire year of starting under his belt. You usually make a big jump from your first year to your second year. So maybe this maybe maybe becomes that guy this year. Now, I would say he wasn't needed to be elite versus Penn State last year. They were just, you know, running the ball all over Penn State. He was elite or pretty darn close to it in the Ohio State game. That, I mean, late second quarter, second half, he exploded and everything took off from there after he took off. He had moments of excellence in the TCU game, coupled with moments of, oh, hurt his teamness. Yeah. If he didn't have the, mo- the, the hurt his team interceptions and turnovers, they probably go on to play Georgia. Okay. You know, I mean, I think that's, that's a huge part of it. So, you know, I, we're not trying to bag on JJ McCarthy here. I, I don't think I, I'm excited to see if it can happen, but to me, that's the big story. Uh, you know, what else is a big story that Alan Bowman still has eligibility. <laughs> that's, that's, you believe that? Do they? Alan, a class of 2018. <laughs> Jack, wait, who's older? Uh, your punter or Bowman? They could definitely walk they're, They've got to be like beer buddies, don't they? Um, yeah. Jack Tuttle. That's a, that's another guy that's been around for a while. Wow. Davis Warren, something Jordan pointed out, he was a former four-star that dropped because he got leukemia, and now he's back being healthy, and apparently the dude's got a freaking howitzer. So wow. that's somebody to look out, uh, look out for. And then super recruit youngster Alex Orgy, and let's just say Michigan fans are excited to see what he can bring to the party. All right, it's like a, that, that quarterback room just has an orgy of talent in it, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. All right, spare to pair. I think we got it here. We definitely have the the pair, in, which is Blake Horam and, and Donovan Edwards. Um, maybe I didn't spend time enough uh, really appreciating how good Donnie Edwards is. I guess at one point, Kurt, I viewed him as, you know, the third down back, the pass catching back. When he had to take over the starting role when Corum went down, I think he proved he was an all-around running back as well. Yeah, I mean, he, for sure. He could carry the load. And this is just, not only do they have the best quarterback room in the Big Ten, they got the best running back room in the Big Ten. I think so, too. Um, you can't say enough about Blake Corum. Haven't heard too much out of camp if he's healthy. Hopefully he is because, dude, I like watching that guy go to work. As far as the spare, we got a couple different guys. C.J. Stokes is a name that I think most Michigan fans think the third running back would be Benjamin Hall is the one true freshman that you could see popping up or freshmen you could see popping up uh, into the starting lineup or at least get some time. Um, Let's go ahead and keep going down the page. I guess we will talk about the receivers. I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts. I think Cornelius Johnson and especially Roman Wilson are two names. We know what, what's your thoughts on them and the rest of the receiving core for the Wolverines. Well, so this is, to me, probably, if there's a weakness on the team, this is it. But if you're good at every other position, you don't need to be super strong. But but I like Cornelius Jensen. I like Roman Wilson. I love Colston Loveland. Okay. That's probably my favorite pass catcher on this team. And I think he, he's the reason Eric All transfer. 
They also got AJ Barner from IU, who is a pretty solid tight end. So I think you got four big weapons. After that, it's a lot of unproven talent. Yeah, definitely unproven talent. Uh, some guys to look out for are Tyler Morris. A um, lot of comparisons to Ronnie Bell is what Jordan tells me. And then the fan favorite favorite is Darius Clemens. Combination of big and fast. So there's there's talent here. Can I? If, I think this is a quick topic, but is Michigan receivers a weak spot, or do they just get compared to Ohio State? And then they seem like a weak spot. I, I mean, this isn't this isn't weak in talent. This this is not a room that this this is probably the second or maybe third best re, uh, receiving room in the Big Ten. So I wouldn't call it a weakness. It's just not elite Ohio Stateness is what we're looking at here. Yeah, that's 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 probably a good yeah analysis. Yeah, but uh, and then the last thing would be you know is that the last thing that Michigan has to get to be elite. Cause you do see those elite teams like yeah. Alabama took off LSU took off when they've had those receivers. It's, it's we'll a great see. point. It's yep. been, a, it's been a while since they had that guy at Michigan. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then the offensive line. Now I, I, I think Michigan fans need to understand is, is the, the run they've had at offensive line has been incredible. They deserve all of the, you know, assumptions that are out there that this will also be a great offensive line, but there's more moving pieces around this offensive line than there has been certainly the last two or three years. Well, they got return three returners plus they got three transfers. So yeah, they they've got to move some pieces around, but I have no doubt they will do it. And one of the reasons, and this is according to pick six previews, they're, they're on pace to set a record an all time combined starts record for, for an offensive line. I mean that's incredible. One starts. Uh, so I think do, I think they're going to be just fine. In fact, no, I think they're going to be excellent. Don't get me wrong. That wasn't me saying struggles. I just they've been operating at like if I'm using Madden ratings, they're like a 98 or a 99. You know, the last two years, maybe this is a 94. That's it. That's it all could, I'm saying. Well, you know? it could be, and of course, yeah. Offensive line is a unit. It operates as a unit, so there's got to be chemistry. So Correct. they could have some growing pains. I could see that. Now, Zach Zinter, the guard, he is an absolute stud. Uh, Carson Barnhart, left tackle, Trevor Keegan. Drake Nugent is over from is a new center from Stanford. Uh, Trent A. Jones is who Jordan thinks is going to lock down the right tackle. We've got a guy in from Arizona State, another guy from Stanford. There's like three or four more guys that can wind up uh, playing, so we will see how that works out. All right, let's go and switch over to the defense. What do they run? I don't know. It's a 4-2-5-ish. It's a 4-3. I'm not exactly sure. Here's what I know is that it is very tough to move the ball on the Michigan Wolverines. Let's just start with the D-line. Who? I don't know. Who's your favorite defensive lineman on the Michigan Wolverines, Kurt? Well, I do like that Chris Jenkins' nickname appears to be the mut Mutant. Yeah, that's what they call him. He's, yeah. he's not he's not a freak. He's a mutant. I mean, he won the I'm going Chris the Jenkins. E, he won the EUTM award out of Jim Harbaugh. You know, he beat Jim Harbaugh out of it. So you got to be pretty good to get that. Uh, but yeah, Chris Jenkins is incredible. But like they're in their entire starting front four. So like Kurt, in my mind, um, you you inspired me to like I'm thinking about doing a top unit rankings of my own now that we've gone through all of the deep dives, but I start it. And I, I hear you when you say 
Illinois should be ranked higher than like fifth, right? And in, in one publication, but like I think I look, a little higher than fifth. Yeah, I usually see them somewhere around there in the Big Ten. And I'm not going to disagree with you, but then you look at like a, a defensive line like Michigan's, th- dude. This I and mean, I'm not saying they're better than Michigan. Michigan is so deep. It, it is. I mean, Chris Jenkins, Mason Graham are defensive tackles. Rayshon Benny, Kenny Grant, as as uh, Jordan reminded me, this was the guy last year who was a freshman that Jim Harbaugh said he was a gift from the football gods. Just an absolute wow. brick wall of a man. He, you know, he's your third or fourth tackle, and then you switch to the edge. Brandon McGregor, Jalen Harrell, those. I mean, each one of those guys, and, and Derek Moore, De- Derek Moore, and Josiah Stewart. Any one of those guys I just named could be a game plan wrecker for any team at any moment, and they run eight deep. This is just an incredible yeah, defensive no, line. I I believe I believe this is the best defensive line. Okay, I, 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 and I'm, I I I wouldn't fight you. Yeah. Yep. Um, then switching over to the linebackers, Junior Colson, who is a junior, and Michael Barrett. So these are your Those starting... are both all Big Ten guys. <laughs> both, so, and, and, and seniors and junior, you know, upperclassmen. Oh, by the way, do you remember Ernest Hausman? Yes, Mr. Almost... Berg. Hello, Mr. Berg. Almost for sure. By the end of last year, the best defensive player on Nebraska's team He's also in camp, and from what Jordan is hearing, Michael Barrett better keep going because he's getting pushed that much by Ernest. They probably have three first-team All-Big Ten capable linebackers right. ready and, to pass. Think, yeah, and the thing is, they'll, they'll all play, and this is probably also the best linebacker core in the Big I, Ten. I think it at least – oh, by the way, Jaden Hood, he's also amazing. He's, he's played yeah. a ton, too. And then we go over to the second year. Okay, we – maybe not as strong here okay um and and as far as like there there's it's like a nickel viper cash like whatever you want to call that position i don't know if they really give it a name that's mike sainstrel we feel great about him okay yeah we feel great about rod moore and michigan fans feel great about will johnson so that is a cornerback with will johnson you know a safety cornerback with mike sainstrel and rod moore now they got talent, don't get me wrong, but there is some moving pieces there for who's going to be the second corner, the third corner, you know, definitely the second and third safety. So there are names we could throw out, but that would be the one, you know, kind of part of the defense where Michigan fans want to see some development. Yeah, but but they do have four out of five guys starting back. And by the way, overall in the defense, 78% of the production terms, that's 14th in the country. Yep. They're going to be just fine back there. It's going to be a nasty defense. And and also, just got to throw out the, the defensive coordinator, Jesse Mentor. He does did a great job last year. So I think it's just, it's going to be, it's going to challenge for the best defense in the in the Big Ten. If not the country. Um, but, you know, Rod Moore, Makari Page, Quentin Johnson, Zeke Barry, they got safeties. Josh Wallace in from UMass, looking to be their second cornerback. Amarian Walker, second or third cornerback a lot of Michigan fans thought he's booted right now nobody knows exactly what's going on there so they could wind up rotating Mike Sainstrel over to cornerback sometimes because they're deeper at safety so we'll see how that plays out uh special teams Tommy Doman is the punter new kicker who we're not real sure about he's in from from Louisville so it's kind of been funny at you know Michigan Ohio State a little bit there's there's some question marks in the special teams. We'll see 
if and who so one of those teams that's got questions with kicking and punting, one of those teams is going to get bit at some point. I'm not saying it's Michigan. I'm not even saying who it is. Just something to keep keep an eye on. All right, Tommy so Doman does some does some kicking himself. Love that name, by the way, Tommy Doman. There's something about it. I don't know. Just a good football name, yeah. but I think it's more of like a quarterback name. That's true. It is yeah. more of a. In fact, I would even say it's more of a a Hollywood quarterback name. Right? Yeah, they, they would name. They their, could. They could. Yeah. They could yeah. write a script. All it's right, the next Johnny Utah. Johnny. All right, let's get into the schedule. Um, yeah, the first four games are going to be wins. <laughs> that's that's how that's going to go. Boy, um, that, it, that non-con schedule. You have yeah. one goal there: don't get injured. Th- that is a great point. I mean, it is going to be. I, I I mean, Kurt, I. It could be like watching the same game three times in a row, where, I mean, it could be like. 35 to nothing at halftime type of deal. And then you just wonder what Harbs and the crew, whoever's coaching is going to do, because you, you want to build depth, you know, for next year. And we're talking about all these upperclassmen health and all that stuff. That could be one of the sneaky fun things for Michigan fans to check out with those first games is to see who the next wave of guys are that come in and see how they look. And I'll add to that. I think you want to build depth for this year. You want to get reps for guys that haven't, been out there much before that's that's, that is a fantastic opportunity right there just give your starters a rest put the second team in maybe before people expect you to exactly like maybe those maybe those won't even be huge blowouts that we expect like they're not gonna be 51 to 3 maybe they're like you know 38 to to 10 or something like that and everyone's like yeah 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 we'll see um by the way it's east carolina unlv and bowling green now I will say, you know, they're going to beat Rutgers in the fourth game. I, I would expect Rutgers to bow up a little bit more defensively, you know, yeah. maybe challenge Michigan a little bit more. Michigan fans are like, oh, geez, Rutgers got a tough defense. They wind up winning the game. That's what I see. Now we get a little bit more interesting at Nebraska, at Minnesota. Um, if that winds up, I, I don't think we have a time determined yet, but night games at Nebraska, Michigan found that out two years ago, different Nebraska team, different Michigan team. But those are two Big Ten West teams that have known to be they they can scare you a little bit. Something to keep an eye on. Don't get me wrong; I'm I'm expecting both of those to be wins. But just a step up in competition. Back home versus Indiana, on the road versus Michigan State. By week Purdue, and then it's the meat of the schedule. Finally, can we, <laughs> can we point out that fantastic position to have your idle week? I, I think it's great. I, I after mean, after eight games, perfect. you get the late. I, yeah, you get the late idle week, and then you build into those last games. Purdue at Penn State, at Maryland, Ohio State. Obviously, at the end, everybody knows that the you know the 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 big three: um, uh, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. They're all right there. So I will let you start out. Scariest game out of all of these. Okay. I thought about at Maryland because Maryland's could be kind of spicy this year and you're looking ahead to the Ohio state game. So to me, that's kind of the obvious one, but I'm going with Sparty at Sparty. Not that I expect it to be, not that I expect Sparty to be great, but because that's a rivalry and it's one where they could be falling. They could fall asleep. Okay. Um, I think that would have to be a deep, deep sleep. Yes, Kurtz, in order for that to happen. It, I mean, these things do happen, but we're talking kind of a multiple turnover thing, I would think, for that to happen. I picked two 
for scariest game. And I, I was going to ask you to go first because I was going to take the other one <laughs> that you didn't take and you took neither okay. of who I have. I have at Penn state or at Maryland for my scariest game. Um, I'm going to take Penn state off because, you know, scariest is typically denoting a game that you shouldn't lose. Now they should beat Penn state. I mean, they expect to be Penn state. I, I almost for sure they'll be favored, but at the same time, if you do lose to Penn state, which is extremely conceivable, you might be out of the big 10 race in the college football playoffs right there. If you lose in happy Valley. Okay. So yeah, that, that is, that's, that, that's, that's a, that, that I can't make it the big game, unfortunately. So that's something to keep an eye for, but at Maryland, I mean, dude, it's sandwiched in between Penn state and Ohio state. And it's two yeah. games on the road. I don't know. I just, that is something to look out for, for, for curb stomp. I put Sparty down for, for curb stomp. And, okay, and my so everything, pro- I, hold okay. on. everything I said about Sparty. Yep. Just throw it out the window because my curb stomp game is Sparty. Okay, so, yeah. uh, so you have okay, uh, so you have curb stomp Sparty and Scar. Okay, that's I do. Always yeah, a, it's always a fun combo. That's allowed yeah. on the podcast. So we're, we're we're and the thing is, is they get two road games. Okay, I could see either Nebraska or Minnesota challenging them to some point, and then they put them away. But then they come home, and I don't see Indiana beating them, you know, anytime soon. So they kind of roll into the Sparty game is, is kind of what I'm talking about. And as far as the big game of the year, I, you know, if we record this podcast till we're 90 years old, I, I don't know if much is going to change, but, you know, it, I mean, it's... The, o- the only way this wouldn't be the biggest game if is if one of them is extremely down. Yes. It, where the other big game then wind up be Penn State. Right. That, that That's the only, like, where, where you look back and say, oh my gosh, it actually wound up being Penn State as the big game. Yep, that's a good point. Yep. Over under 10.5, what do you got? I I really like the over here. Uh, you got to go over. I I just, it is, you, you can see two losses on the schedule, okay? Yes. And, but it is hard for me to believe that they're going to lose both of those games, and it is very hard for me to find a loss in those other 10 games. I I, I love the over. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a over that I would recommend people taking a look at. But hey, that's what Kurt and I think. Non-Michigan fans, let's hear from a Michigan fan, Jordan Eggleston, the man, the myth, the legend. Jordan, take it away. What's up, eyes on big listeners? This is your resident Michigan fan, Jordan, here to give you the rundown on this season's twenty-three Michigan Wolverines. So we go into this year, and the hype could never be higher. You know, the Wolverines return like 78% of their starters or their production, however they do that. And everybody's talking about national championship bust and yada, yada, yada. The expectations have never been higher in Ann Arbor. So I'm here to tell you why all of that is absolutely true. Michigan returns 22 players this season that are either seniors or graduate seniors. So what does that tell you? They're old. And when you're old, what are you? You're experienced and you've seen it all. We all heard about our schedule and how it's a cakewalk through the first four games. And you're right. It is. And that's fine. That gives those old guys a break and a chance to rest. So I think we cruise through the early part of the year and then we get to the back-to-back road games at Nebraska, at Minnesota. Everybody in the Big Ten knows going on the road, never easy. Nebraska, I heard that's a noon game. That's great because Lincoln at night is awful to play at. And then you have at Minnesota, the little brown jug that has to stay in Ann Arbor. We can't let that go back to to the Gophers. Um, Sparty on the road. 
doesn't need, we don't need to talk anymore about that. As long as they don't throw any batteries at the fans on the way to the game, I think we'll be all right. And you get to the tail end of the season, and this is where the season gets real. At Penn State, at Maryland, and then there's a game at the end of the year at home. We'll talk about that in a minute. Penn State, all the hype. Everybody seems to be trending towards the Nittany Lions. Can Drew Allard be the guy that saves it all? We know about the two-headed monster at running back, but I have one question for Penn State fans. Is the interior of that defensive line improved enough to the point where they can slow down Michigan's running attack? Because we saw last year what happened in the big house where they hung around for a little bit, but eventually Michigan's offensive line pushed them around. We think they're more built to beat Ohio State, but can they beat Michigan? To me, the biggest and scariest game of the year is actually at Maryland because it comes off of playing at Penn State, and then you go to Maryland on the road. Who has played Michigan tough the last few years with that game looming at the end of the year? Let's talk about the Buckeyes for a second. 42-27, uh, 45-23. Those are all great. I think 48-19 sounds even better this year. So I'm not going to be that guy that says the Wolverines are 12-0 because I'm going to be that guy that says the Wolverines are 15-0 national champions and break the streak for the Big Ten and bring a national title back to the Big Ten Conference. Go Blue. Yeah. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip need or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall and game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California, and going to be sponsoring a tailgate in Minnesota. Can't wait to do that. Last game to break down in the offseason, the 2023 Purdue Boilermakers Big Ten West champs. Shout out to our guy, Greg McManus. Big time shout out for the big time boiler. Great new follower of the podcast and great follower for any of you listening to us right now. Last five years, 29 and 29, a 50% winning percentage right in the middle. And that's eighth. That's eighth in the Big Ten. So that would make sense. Last year, nine and six Big Ten champ, Big Ten West champs, as we talked about, new head coach Ryan Walters, new defensive coordinator Kevin Kane, new offensive coordinator, the heralded Graham Harrell. I'm gonna throw this out to you. I, I thought about this today and I wanted to, to start out talking about the 2023 Purdue Boilermakers, right? Newness everywhere, new schemes. The schedule, which we will break down at the end, is insane. What record? Would brand new white brand new head coach Ryan Walters, what record would he need to get to to cinch up the Big Ten Coach of the Year in your mind? What record would he need for Coach of the overall, Year? Re- overall record. I would say it would he'd probably probably have to be about nine and three. I would say okay, okay, all right. I was gonna say eight and four or nine. I could and three. say eight and four. Yeah. Okay. All right. And what we're getting at here is, I tell you what, man, I, I mean, we have talked about, you know, the 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 international teams of mystery, Michigan State being one. Certainly, this is one. Big time Boilers, I mean, he knows his team. Even he is having a hard time grasping what is going on here. I mean, we have Graham Harrell taking over for Brom, like Tom, okay? So, like, not extremely different yeah, you know, approach, right? Yeah. But how how is that marrying over to 
to Ryan Walters, a, a defensive minded. That was a curious. That's one of the biggest question marks I have is it's an interesting thing to be a defensive guy and want to pair your defense with an air raid offense. Um, now, I will say that Graham Harrell tries to take a little bit more of a balanced approach offensively than he's yeah. not like a Mike Leach guy. He does want to run the ball effectively too, which we haven't seen them doing forever. So good, good luck with that. But I will say I'm starting to have more and more confidence in Walters. The longer he goes on, he's he, getting some momentum on the recruiting trail. Yeah. The, the uh, fans really seem to be taking to him. He does have a good coaching staff too. Uh, I, Kevin I, I Kane, t- he's been a defensive yeah. coordinator before he came from Illinois. He's got that great experience with Bielema. I, I don't know. Every, every time I just feel a lot better right now than the day he was hired. And I was cheering for him the day he was hired because he came you from are. Illinois. You are. But, but I'm starting to really see it. I tell you what, um, I watched the camp tours and, and 85% of the camp tours is, is there's not much to pick up. I'll, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, Kurt. A lot of times I, I fast forward through the player interviews. <laughs> they oh, just, God. Kind of, Those they just, dude, they just say the same thing. They're, the yeah. players aren't allowed to, to say anything. So they're just not much to pull up. You you can pull out little nuances from the coach interviews, and yep. you certainly pull out. T Rex gives me nothing. <laughs> no, t- you can't. You get nothing. Yeah, but Donardo Donardo gives you the goods, man. You just Donardo has moved into the twilight of his career where he he yeah he AGF and and he will give you something to go off of. So that's and one I, thing. Yeah, and, he does. And, but and I but and I love Revson. Revson. Revson his job, he is awesome, but his job is kind of to to put a positive spin on everything. Whereas, whereas Donardo, he's giving you the straight dope. He de- Reza is definitely positive person. He's glass half full person, but I don't think he blows smoke either. I, I you know, yeah. I, 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 but but Donardo, that, Donardo but... is ne- Donardo is neither. Donardo will will call something bad bad and something good yeah. good. He 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 just calls. He looks like he sounds like a coach. Um, anyways, and that kind of blends into Purdue because it was a positive feeling camp that they came away with. And I think it was two things. I think they came away impressed with Ryan Walters and just being in his presence. I was by hearing him interviewed. It's like, it sounded like a dude that had been a head coach for years and years. I was, and that must be the Ryan Walters that's kicking ass in in the recruiting trail. So like, I get it. The Purdue fans that see it and are kind of have a quiet confidence about it. I get it. Um, and then here, and then we'll switch over to the offense. Okay. Last year, maybe not quite as great as you thought in a Jeff Brown offense, but 400 yards per game, 55th in the country scoring offense, 26.6 points per game, 74th in the country. Wow. I, that's the one that I found interesting. Gone is Aiden O'Connell. Gone is Charlie Jones. So it it is you know it's there's a lot of new faces but the new face that everybody is raving about the Big Ten Network crew raved about him the the, the uh, Purdue fans are raving about him if they did a live satellite from the International Space Station I believe they would be raving about Hudson Card from Texas wow what are your thoughts here Kurt my you know what this guy is he's the wild card of this Purdue <laughs> team. I, I'm really excited about Hudson card. Th- this is the guy that I really wanted 
Illinois to get more than anybody. I thought he was gettable for Illinois. He was gettable for Illinois, but they had a connection there with Texas and Drew Brees. So I, you know, I think Hudson made a great choice. I, I, I think, I don't think people are giving Hudson card enough credit. And I th- don't think pr- people are giving Purdue enough credit. One of the big reasons is because of Hudson card. Okay. So, and by the way, the guy's mobile too. I mean, people essentially believe he fits perfectly with what Graham Harrell wants to do. I, I, I mean, I, essentially, as I'm going to try to predict Purdue, there's going to be games where I'm going to say, I don't think Purdue is going to win, but there's also going to be a voice back in my head that says, is Hudson card going to prove me wrong? And and I, I, I don't yeah. know. It's like, there's not a lot of other guys and there's some good guys. Don't get me wrong, but there's not a lot of other units is, is what I should say that give me confidence. But if Hudson card is that good, it's incredible what a quarterback that's that great can maybe do for your team. So yeah. I think that's where all the hopes at for Purdue. Um, uh, um Bennett Meredith is another guy to throw out there, but let's just say this. We need to keep Hudson Card upright. Um yeah. running backs for the pair and the spare. So I don't know, man. Um, I think the pair to me still is Devin Mockaby for for sure and Dylan yeah. Downing. Yeah. But Tyrone Tracy has been moving yeah. into the spare role. What's your thoughts on the running back room? Yeah, it's interesting. Pick six previews uh has this running back back room ranked seventh. I don't, I don't see that. I think that's a little too. I do like Devin Mockaby a lot, and if you remember, one of the first things Ryan Walters did when he came in is he put him on scholarship. He's a walk-on guy. Before Duh. that, Dylan Downing, he's fine. Tyrone Tracy, he's Good. fine. It, it's almost like they don't have a pair or a spare though. They, it's to me, it's Devin Mockaby. Yes. Okay. Right. Okay. Devin Mockaby is the dude, and then outside of how they're going to give him breaks and how they're going to use guys. That's going to be interesting to see. But man, you know, I try, I, I record a lot of games from the previous year or two. And I, I watched the Purdue game just last night to like, you know, reintroduce myself with the team. And dude, that guy, his, his running style is oh, so unique. It is, yes. a, he is, he might be the most fun running back to watch in the Big Ten. And might he's, be. he's slippery and good. So he's a modern day crazy legs Hirsch. Crazy legs Hirsch. I keep hearing people say that, but two guys that Purdue drastically needs to stay healthier, Hudson Card and Devin Mockaby. Receivers, go for it, man. What uh, what are your thoughts here? Well, you know, for some reason I was thinking that they their receiving room had been drained more than it really is. We got some names that we recognize here. TJ Sheffield, I like a lot. I thought Mershon Rice, he's he's shown some production, but I think he could be an excellent receiver. Uh, Abdur Rahman Yassin, I really like too. He doesn't didn't have a ton of catches, but you can see the talent. They got a transfer from Auburn. Now they do lose Brock Thompson. He retired from football. That's too bad. And there was another I guy. I if, is... I, if if I can interrupt you, there was one guy they thought they were going to get, and his name escapes me right now. Okay, that he didn't make it over. I bet that's the name you were thinking of. Maybe, but I guess I was surprised to see how much talent is still left in the wide receiver room. So I think there's plenty of, of pieces for Hudson Card to work with here. Uh, TJ Sheffield just needs to be TJ Sheffield. Deion Burks, I think, is going to be other front line. But um, yeah, we'll see. I it, it the the I think what's probably weirding us out is there's always a man in the Purdue receiving room, right? 
Yeah. Last year it was Charlie Jones. You you, you go back to the the name, the yeah. name for us Iowa fans. Like they've always had the man at wide receiver. I don't know if I don't I don't see one right now, but that doesn't mean there isn't one that can pop out. Yeah, I agree. And by the way, they love Garrett Miller, the tight end. Yes. Okay, so you have picked coaches up on are that just as raving well. about. Okay, they're raving about this guy, and so does Big Time Boiler. I mean, he's like, trust me, this guy's an NFL dude. So yeah, that is a name that maybe Big Ten fans aren't aren't familiar with, but 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 Purdue fans are. Okay, switching over to the offensive line, the left side is is all re- is all returning. We got we got two double M's, all right, at left tackle and left guard. Uh, but maybe one of the double M's is going to be playing tackle, so we might have two bookend tackles. With the initials MM, we'll see how that goes. Underrated player, um, Chris Hartwig, the the center, um, a guy that probably doesn't get a ton of of credit, but he Gus, is a yeah, Gus Hartwig. Gus Hartwig, sorry, yeah. Gus Hartwig, talented center, very, very good. So we've got it seems like either the left side of the line figured out or tackle center tackle figured out, but guards and depth that is what is trying to get figured out right now. Yeah, they, they lost a couple guys in the transfer portal, and this is another position where I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to look at this uh, this uh, too deep and just think it's horrible. This is not a bad offensive line. I think they can do things with this too. They've got four pre- guys that have been previous starters. Yes, yeah. So they, they've got experience there. Who's going to be the fifth guy? Who's going to be the depth if injuries hit? Okay, that's a concern is the yep. depth. They did get a transfer from Bowling Green. I in in the past this has been a an offensive line that's good at pass pro, not so good in run push. I kind of expect to see a similar offense to what we've seen before from Purdue. I know, and and I just always think about I I I don't think the Purdue offensive lines the last two years that helped the team win nine and eight games were anything special. No, but Jeff Brom could just mm-hmm. always scheme things up and protect his offensive line. Can Graham Harrell do that his first year in the Big Ten? That that to me is the storyline to this Purdue offense. And very good question. And, and keeping Carden Maccabi healthy. All right, switching over to the defense. I don't know what this is going to be. Uh, Walter had a three-four scheme. You know, this could be new. This could be a four-three or sort of yeah, a nickel. That sounds like they're going three-four. Three-four. Uh, like some people call it, like basically a five-one-five is is one way people have described this this defense. Last year, the numbers they weren't. They were bad. They were pretty good. 367 yards per game, 52nd in the country. Scoring defense, 27.4 points per game, 73rd. So that's an interesting stat. Total uh, total offense and defense, 55th and 52nd. Scoring offense and scoring defense, 74th and 73rd. So right next to each other. But what, what Purdue is pretty bad at in fact they were down the bottom of the big 10 was giving up big plays they would give up gigantic plays in the passing game explosive plays over 25 yards that was something that they just have got to improve on so what i'm asking you kurt is will new defensive coordinator kevin kane be able to improve on that in 2023 now doggone it yes why did why didn't i why didn't I have that in my notes? <laughs> We're back, baby. Even if We're I, back. I, I, it didn't even occur to me. And good on you for. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. But you, that's your one though. You don't get one 
more the rest of the year. We've made that rule for it's that for was him the too. That was the rule before. It's okay. got to stay the rule. Right. I, I might, I might, I might challenge that one right there. All right, switching to the defensive line. What's your thoughts? Well, okay, so now here's where we do get to the point where I'm seeing where I'm kind of cringing at, at what I see on the roster. We have three guys transferred out, and apparently three pretty good players because they all transfer to Power Five schools. Now they have a couple transfers coming in. And it's at the nose guard position, which is great because that's such a, an important position when you're playing a three-man front. So we don't know what these guys are going to look like, but that was necessary. But I, I, there's just not there's not a whole lot of proven players here. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me, sorry, Purdue fans, of the Indiana defensive line where the whole state of Indiana, I don't know what, I don't know what Notre Dame's up to. But they, they have just transferred in everybody into this defensive line and guys coming off injuries, hoping that this will be, you know, bodies that they can throw out there. Uh, Cole Brevard, Demar J. Lewis coming off an ACL, Jeffrey Emba, Isaiah Nichols, Malik Langham. Um, I'm just throwing out names, basically. And it's yeah. names that I got from Big Time Boiler. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what the rotation is going to be. Um, I'd venture out a guess I almost, that. I almost feel like. Ryan Walters and Kevin Kane are throwing out names. Like, yeah, let's yeah. just see what works. I let's don't know. see what works. So, which is probably more of a reason to go to more of a three-man front, right? When you feel like you're thin and there's less guys you can uh, uh, count on. But that means you need more linebackers. Okay, and we got some linebackers here. All name team, right? OC Brothers. That's a name that's been in the Big Ten for quite some time. Kydrin Jenkins, another guy that's played quite a bit for Purdue. And then here's one to throw out. You. I don't know if this is a name you've heard. Nick Scourton, he's a sophomore, big recruit. Okay, you don't, don't recognize it. No. You don't, don't recognize that. We're kind of being sly here. Nick Carraway, who's a guy that did play as a sophomore, was a huge recruit for Purdue, has changed his name. He's changed his last name. Breaking news here on the Eyes on Big podcast. So his name is Nick Scourton. So it's a guy the Purdue okay. fans have been expecting to play. Now they, they, they will see him this year just with a different last name. Okay, so just a missed opportunity right there. If you're changing yeah. your name's Nick Carraway, okay? Yeah. It's a great Gatsby character. You missed <laughs> it. You could have just named yourself Old Sport. That's what I would have gone with. Hello, Old Sport. Old Sport. Hey there, Old Sport. And speaking of, by the way, you missed Jacob Wahlberg. So you got OC Brothers and you got Jacob Wahlberg. So those are the, the Wahlberg brothers, right? Yes. <laughs> nice, nice work. <laughs> and we're going to need more brothers out there because we're going to need some linebackers to play if they're only going to be a three-man front. We'll see. I, I don't know. This... More mystery with this team. I mean, basically, I feel great about the quarterback and running back, and I just feel like there's more mystery as you work through uh, well, and, uh, the and roster. Now don't forget, don't forget Yanni Karlaftis too. Yep, Yanni Karlaftis. All right. Yep the the Greek, the actual Greek, uh, yep. not, not not fake ones like like are thrown out there sometimes. Uh, the safeties are solid, by the way. Uh, Cam Allen. I did a all underrated team. Shame on me, Kurt. I should have put Cam Allen on the big all underrated team. That is a solid safety. What else do you think about the the defensive backs? Yeah, both safeties back. You lose both cornerbacks. Now that's a really important position for Ryan Walters. So he adds old miss transfer McKevious Brown. But I've got question marks on the outside here. Yep. Uh some uh Sinosi Kane. Salim Turner, Muhammad, he's in from Stanford. Two guys from Ole Miss, Marquise Wilson is one of them. Um, Jamari Brown, you know, like we announced at the beginning of the podcast, he's gone. Uh, Purdue fans, 
are saying because the the depth that's been provided at cornerback has been improved so much during camp that that's why he left. I, I got. I'm not saying it's not true. That's just yep. something I'm going to have to see. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's that's good news. But I I'm going to need to see it as well. Yeah, yep. Um, this has nothing to do against you know big time Boiler or Greg or any Purdue fans specifically, but it just seems like every time a guy leaves. The, the the thought that always the explanation is well he just couldn't cut it that's how much better we're getting and I don't know if it always winds up being that case right uh special teams we got kicker Ben Freehill brand new apparently looked good in spring but we got a new kicker never know how it's gonna go down till the big lights come on and Jack Ansel 27 year old Aussie we got another old Aussie out there kicking the ball around the yard so that'll be another fun thing to see there all right should we go into the schedule let's um, do it I mean, basically, Kurt, <laughs> they're basically playing 12 Power 5 teams here. I, or, or I would you know, handicap it at 11 and a half Power 5 teams. Michigan State yeah. and Minnesota and Purdue. I, I don't know who has the hardest schedule out of the three of them. The fact of the matter is all three of those schedules are hard. Rotating into Purdue, this is an extremely tough schedule. Well, and you get Ohio State, you get Michigan, you're at Michigan. But I'm just... so the. The athletic director is Mike Bobinski, more like Bubinski, <laughs> who schedules these non-conference. T- and it's probably wasn't him. It's was probably the previous well, athletic director. I-, I think the general consensus is it's Brom. Brom wanted this. I don't understand that. I don't either. That was his thing. Boy, that is so weird. I mean, last year, you look at last year and maybe 21. I can't remember exactly. I'm sorry, but. They could have been a 10-win team last year if they had Patsies yeah. instead of what they had out of out of conference, you know. So now but the I, good I, news is Virginia Tech is not very good. No, Syracuse, I know. I know. You know, yeah. but so it, they're it's it's not unmanageable. Okay, and this was what I was gonna ask you. Okay. Out of those three non-conference teams, Fresno State at Virginia Tech. Now it's a noon game. Okay. So Sandstorm will be happening. You know, one o'clock East Coast time, Syracuse at home. What what is the three? What is the toughest team out of those three? Do you think it's tough? Uh, mm, I don't think it's the Hokies. I I might I, I might go with Fresno. I don't. Know. I don't think Fresno's the the wrong pick right there. Yeah. I I think we're going to learn a lot about the Purdue Boilermakers right away versus Fresno State. Then they go to Wisconsin and in Illinois. But what is crazy? Do you realize what just went there at Virginia Tech? But Fresno State, Syracuse, Wisconsin, Illinois—four of their first five games are at Ross Ed Stadium, newly renovated Ross Ed. That don't happen very often. You don't you don't get all the way into October until you fit play your first road game, Big Ten type of deal. Well, yeah, but then so then you go to Iowa, but then you're home again. Ohio State, but it's Ohio State. Yeah, it's a it is a crazy unique schedule. Then a idle week at Nebraska, at Michigan, Minnesota, at Northwestern, Indiana. So ton of ton of like winnable games here. Okay, tough for me to see them beating Ohio State and, and at Michigan. Okay, those tough for me to yeah. see winning those games. But I don't think it's crazy to say the other ten games are winnable. I right? think so too. Okay, I, so I tell you what—the variance. I I just I'm getting more and more optimistic about Purdue this year. It is a I hate as you pointed out in the last podcast, which is very correct. I hate the 
exacto win loss totals. This is an exacto win loss oh, yeah. total that that is very tough. I hate this win loss total, period. So, you know, now there, I, that's not that's not to say they're going to go ten and ten and two or nine and three. Okay, I don't think either one of us are saying that. I'm just saying if they can get off to a big start, there might suddenly be more winnable games yeah. on this schedule by the time we get into late September, October, yeah. than we're we're thinking here. In August, so I, I like to let you start off. What do you have for scariest game? Okay, and just you know, one more thought about the defense. I don't see a ton of talent, but I think they will be a good defense. It'll be a solid defense because they'll be well coached. Okay, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you this much: that Kevin Kane getting interviewed, dude, he impressed the heck out of me. It sounds like a freaking professor of defense he was just awesome to listen to talk well the thing okay think about kevin kane since you brought him up this is a guy who'd left smu he was a defensive coordinator because he wanted to be on bielema's staff because Mm -hmm. he wanted to learn from brett bielema how to coach defense so he willingly took i mean it's kind of a step back isn't it to go to a power five school and be a position coach when you were a dc at a g5 you know solid g5 smu and so this guy is serious, like about being the best he can be. And he parlayed those two years with Bielema into a defensive coordinator role. I loved Kevin Kane. I, I wanted him to stay at Illinois. I wanted him to be the next defensive coordinator. So yeah, I think they're going to be very well coached. Yep. All right. So over under. Wait, I'm sorry. Scary, uh, we're, yeah, it's okay. The scariest game. We just got to go through okay. those. those three. Yep. Scariest game I have. There's a there's a bunch of so there's a bunch of I mean because yeah. because there's a lot of winnable games a lot of losable games but I'm going with Indiana because uh, oh. to me at the end of the season hold on end of the season you could be at five wins and we got a five uh, uh, win total here and that could mean making a bowl game or not okay and if and you and what you're rival. saying is if, if you lose that's a double whammy you don't make a bowl yeah it's against your rival. It's at home though. It's at home though. So, um, okay. Scariest game in all honesty. I feel like you could pick out any one of the first three non-con games. I'm just going to go right to the first one. Okay. Um, I tell you what, I, I'm, I'm dialed in to this Purdue Fresno state team. This is a pretty good Fresno state team. If you look into it, they've, they've got some players coming into Ross aid. Um, I expect Purdue to win the game. Okay. But if they don't, to start out a new regime, 0-1, and then suddenly you're now looking at the schedule that we're, we've been talking about here, and you've lost one of those first, not layup, but games you're expecting to win. Now you got 11 more that are tough. That, to me, is a game that, that would get my attention if I'm yep. a, a Purdue fan or anybody on the uh, uh, staff. All right, Herb Stomp. I, I actually have Indiana. Um, they They've done well versus Indiana as of late. They get Indiana at home. My take on it would be they've already beaten Northwestern the week before. Maybe they've cinched up a bowl game. I don't know. Uh, You know, got to beat Minnesota, I would think, to do that, but they get Minnesota. I'm just saying they could have either some decent momentum or a lot of momentum coming into that Indiana game. And 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 if it was on the road, I would I wouldn't have this, but it's at home. You want to know who I have for my curb stop? I am very interested. Indiana. Really? I thought I was going to be alone on that. And, so, and for the same reasons. Like, you could be at five wins. You need 
it's six. You could be having a better season than you expect. And you just got a bunch of momentum. You pound the crap out of them. Or it could have gone to shit the whole year. But this is the one game that we have to kick some ass. And we're going to kick our rival's ass. I love IU as the curb stomp as well as the scariest. Oh, you love you. You kind of love the double dip. Scariest curb stomp. Same team. Dutch. It's fun. It's it's fun to do. Biggest game. This again, all over the board here. I I, I don't know. This might be crazy to me or uh, to people, but I, I got Minnesota. And the reason I have Minnesota is because Ohio State at Nebraska, excuse me, Illinois at Iowa, Ohio State at Nebraska at Michigan. Okay. So that's one, two, three, four, five teams. Four of them, which could be ranked. I, I expect three of them to be ranked. Definitely two. Now they, they could go, they could go one and four in that get in that stretch two and three i'm just saying that's a tough they're teetering at this point that minnesota game at that point can we save the season that's got the earmarks of the biggest game of the year for me yeah i get it and by the way you missed the wisconsin game right before illinois i could have went even further back uh, yeah so what a murderer's row here wisconsin illinois at iowa ohio state at nebraska at michigan whoa dude that is brutal Toll. Is that is that the most brutal one, two, three, four, five, six? I mean, you throw Minnesota in there too. <laughs> yeah, that's the right. most brutal six or seven game stretch of any team in the Big Ten. Is I mean, they not? could legit they could legit go three and oh and not win another game until their last two games. Dude, it's it's a crazy schedule. I'm I'm don't know if I've ever seen anything quite like this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Folks, you should see Kurt just kind of looking at the schedule right now as we're breaking it down. It's it's a thing. It's a thing. Okay. Biggest game. You want to know who I have for biggest game? Yeah, I do. Indiana. <laughs> you you ended on a three for good for good for good for I'm kind of jealous. I'm kind of jealous. I triple dipped there for all the same reasons. I don't need to repeat them. Nice work. Nice work. Okay, here we go. I'll let you go first. Gosh, we, this one. I know. Over under so five. I, God. I, I really, I the more I looked at this team, the more I really like them. I think this could be a solid team. And But you have just that murderous row there. It's so hard. I think they get to five wins. So is it more likely they have four wins or is it more likely they have six? I, I don't love it, but I think I'm going to go over and say six. Okay. Since you went over, I'll go under uh, yeah. for all the same reasons that you laid out that that it could go, you know, where, where you were questioning what it would be. It, it could be under. My, my thing is this. If they lose one of those first three games, non-con, you know, to get to, yeah. you have to win. You have to win six more games yeah. after that to get over. So I, I feel like this is a pusher under at that point, but I tell you what, it's, yeah. I can't wait to when me and you really sit down to go through the predictions because yeah. I don't know, maybe Purdue is one of those teams you, you start with because you just base yeah. the rest of the schedule off of what you think Purdue is going to wind up being. Man. Well, there Crazy. it is, man. There it is. That, that is, that is the- honestly one of the nuttiest schedules I've ever seen. It is. Like I, I should have probably pried into big time boilers thoughts on that schedule a little bit more. Uh, maybe we'll put something out on Twitter and get a conversation going out there. I don't know, but that's the, the one, I looked at it. <laughs> the one good thing you have is after you, let's be honest, most likely 
they get your ass kicked by Ohio State, you get a week off. Yes. I mean, and and I would say the idle weeks in a good spot, right? Um, yeah, it is. You just kind of limp through the Ohio State game after going through uh, Wisconsin, uh, I at I at the Iowa, Ohio State, but you're, you're out of weeks in a good spot, and then see if you can get some pick some momentum back up. Um, but like to me, there's usually like tricks of the trade that more seasoned head coaches, you know, kind of have. Ryan Walters yeah. doesn't have that, you know, a lot of that to, that's to a fall great, back on. So, that's a no, yeah, that's a great tough. point. Yeah, it, it, he's he's a first time head coach. That, That's there's tough. going and, to be there's going to be uh, growing pains, right? And there and neither one of us, I, I think we both feel like Ryan Walters was a heck of a hire and has impressed the heck out of us. But you got to think things longer term. You know, it, this isn't a blue blood program that's already up and running where you get a big time coach in and it's just how great they're going to be. You gotta you gotta kind of invest more time until you see what you want to see. But hey, that's just what Kurt and I think about the Purdue Boilermakers. Let's talk to a real Boilermaker fan. New to the podcast, our guy, big time Boiler. Take it away, BTB. What's up, Eyes on Big Pod? This is the big time Boiler doing a quick uh, breakdown of Purdue football in 23. Uh, Season of mystery so far here. Uh, There's a lot of question marks. Purdue brought in 40 plus new players, got rid of 40 players, new coach new scheme uh so yeah season mystery i would say the probably the ceiling on this team is eight wins floors probably four brew schedule um offense is it's all going to go with hudson card man um big reviews so far this fall uh, he's gonna have the keys to the offense um devin mockaby is back offensive line has pretty decent depth but um graham harrell is going to run the air raid defensive wise ryan walters obviously comes over head coach he's going to bring Illinois skinny head there. A lot of good pieces. That's kind of the whole, that's the whole premise of this Purdue team. A lot of pieces, how are they all going to fit together? Um, special teams should be solid. Um, but that schedule, like we talked about, is brutal. For, so for this to be a successful season, I'm thinking six and six in a bowl game, that's uh would make us Purdue fans happy. But uh even five and seven would with this schedule, I think would be okay. So appreciate you having me on. Boiler up. All right, man. That is all 14 teams. I just want to say to you, I love doing those with you. Um, You know, this, this is probably corny to say, but I think we do. (laughs) I think we do a good job breaking down the teams. I very much appreciate the compliments that people give us on Twitter, DMs, text messages. I get, Um, they are a lot of work to do, but for me, it's a cathartic thing where Kurt, I just don't feel like I could make an educated, you know, uh, they still will wind up being guesses, but you know, decisions on the, the, the records of these teams until you do the deep dives and, and our insiders giving us informa- information, it, it is an awesome exercise to go through. Yeah. And you know, the insider thing, I feel like that's something unique to our podcast. I can't imagine any of those now. Na- National guys are actually talking to fans who are following this like it is the most important thing in their life. And I think about that stuff all the time. One person that is pretty close as far as the approach would be Brett Ciancia with pick six previews. I mean, he's doing it by himself. Um, He comes to people like us, maybe even me and you to try to get some information. He, he goes to coaches. He he's got his insiders. Um, And what I've always thought is 
You know, the one drawback of focusing so much on the Big Ten Conference is that we have watered down our knowledge of the rest of college football. I think that's, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. And then I, and then the, but then the other thing I always think about is I just don't know how somebody could really focus on every team, even just in the Power Five, and really get to know these programs. No, it's it's it, it's just hard to grasp all that stuff. And and that's why it's so fun to have the regionality, you know, per conference and getting to know the teams like we do. All right, man. Unless you got anything else, we can get out of here. Nope. That's it, man. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.